play the fight song. What's up, everybody, and welcome back into the Play the Fight Song podcast. Big time episode tonight. We have the college football playoff on deck. You're not going to hear us before the games happen, so we need to talk to you about them. We're going to break them down team by team, let you know what to bet on, who's going to win, who's going to win the national title, who you're going to see playing the national title game. And we have some beautiful bowl games sprinkled in beforehand. A lot of good matchups. We're going to preview a few of them. There's too many to cover. We got to focus on the playoff tonight, but we are missing a boy. Reese is visiting family during the holidays. We're happy to have him back home in the Midwest. I can smell him from here. But Jake and JP are alongside me tonight for this important episode. Let's talk to them both. Jake is still on the Colts, even though uh, they're going downhill, but they look like they're going to make the playoffs. Jake, how are we feeling? How are we doing tonight? (laughs) Yeah, remember a couple of weeks ago when we talked about like uh, that the Bengals loss didn't really make me that upset. I wasn't that upset about it. Yeah, the 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 Falcons loss this weekend really fucking pissed me off. It kind of ruined Christmas for me, to be honest. <laughs> mom goes, "Why do you care about sports so much?" Well, mom, I I, I did. I was born into this. I don't know what you want me to tell you. It ruined my I didn't holidays. Choose this life. I didn't my, choose my this bet, life. My bets ruined my holidays thanks to – I told you to take the underdogs, guys. I told you to do it. I didn't do it myself, but I told you to do it because it kicked my ass on Saturday as well. Uh, and on top of that, my fantasy football team, hard fought, but is out for the year. So a uh, lot, of, lot of losing this weekend. So Well, I'm we knew we'd get back. you back. We knew we'd get you back. That's that's Jake fandom. It's, it's back in its element. And we're we're happy you're back. And plus, nothing's worse than people who ask you, like, why do you care so much after a loss? <laughs> like, I'm going to answer that. Like, that's the time to ask me. Not on you know a what? Tuesday. Let me just rethink everything right now. You know, you might be right. You might be on to something. Maybe. <laughs> I've I asked myself care. the same question a million times in the mirror, lady. I, I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I just do. It's called passion. Find one. But JP, how are we doing tonight? How did your betting go through bowl games? We previewed a lot. Um, I saw you're winning in our pick pool with Jake's bowl game. Yeah, we built on ESPN, I, but it's all the points base, which is bullshit. Yeah, I, uh, I, I haven't been betting much because I've been ice cold. I was ice cold like the lot like conference title week into like the first week of bowl games, so I kind of quit. But I am leading the confidence pool. I believe is what it's called. The confidence pool is hard because there's so many opt-out and changes that you have to keep up to date with it and adjust points accordingly. Like I just readjusted some today, but I, I think I'm in second now, but I think overall like points possible left. I think I'm pretty low. Like I think I'm going to be in the middle of the pack, which stinks, but Hey, if you think about it this way, if you just get them all right, it doesn't matter how many points you got on it. So that's my goal. Exactly right. uh, I think I'm just going to go for that strategy, but this I'm happy we got an episode in this week because it was important that we did and everybody's got busy stuff going on. Shaver's going somewhere here soon. I'm leaving here soon. You can see like we're already starting to pack and get everything together. So I'm pumped to get on here, do that. It's important that we do this. It's a lot of content. It's a lot of things that we need to outline. So I'm just pumped to be here. It was a good Christmas. Uh, New Year's Eve should be a good time. So very excited. Parks, how, how was your uh, Christmas Eve day, whatever you did more things on? Uh, Christmas was good. I'm just glad to be out of busy season with boring day-to-day work, but it's an important time in football, so I couldn't be happier. Uh, Big games coming up, a lot of more meaningful games. I think it's been tougher watching Minnesota and Bowling Green and being like, yeah, my favorite Can I say one thing about Bowling Green, Minnesota game? I have just one thing. Look, If it's it's about the the revised Taylor Swift, I'm going to kill somebody. About what's Wait, his we talk- name, the quarterback, oh and how- yes. 
Hey, uh, guys, he's getting married. He's getting married. If you didn't know, I don't know if you knew this. The guy's getting married. This guy's getting married. Yeah. Oh my God. I mean, the guy threw for, I think he had eight completions for a total of 25 yards and a couple were touchdowns. Like he threw a couple inside the 10 yard line. Uh, Great job. They ran for over 200 yards. The only reason they beat Bowling Green. And we're acting like this guy, like I I understand he was getting married and he was already going to move, but brother, you signed up to play division one football and you saw the guys leave the program. Why are you even planning on leaving? You signed up for this. Also a pat on the back, like good job. You came back for your boys. No, you signed up for this. People would kill to be in that spot. You want to move to Arizona. Isn't that the kid who also got paid to stay? So he gets a nice little, they gave him, he gets a nice little bonus to put it towards his wedding. So he's got his wedding no covered, but on top of that, play like, starting to I bowl get game. it. It's so it's cool. It's cool. But you know how many freaking quarterbacks and players and throughout the country that are married? A ton. This guy's not even married yet, and that's all they could talk about. And it wasn't like it was in a close game. Like Bowling Green is right there, had a chance. I mean, I misused some timeouts late in it, but my God, just put it to rest. I the guys get married. His fiance is right there. He's playing quarterback. Shut. Up, it was so bad. It was so bad. That's all I gotta say. It was bad. I think half of BYU's roster is married, if I'm not mistaken. Like, what what are they? What would they talk about during that game? Like, I think three or four of them have like. Well, if they're ever kids. beating, if they're ever beating Bowling Green thirty to twenty two, <laughs> we'll know what they're talking about. Probably not the game. Probably talking about weddings. It Good was a battle, though. It was an absolute. Yeah, battle. it was a battle. Bowling Green almost went back to back against Minnesota. Last time those two teams played, Bowling Green took that matchup. So if they could uh, kind of stop the run, they would have. If they could kind of, I mean, even on an average run stopping defense, they would have beat them. But they could not oh. stop the run. Darius <laughs> Taylor went off. Yeah. Darius Taylor went absolutely off. I mean, he had thirty-five carries. That was a workload they put upon him when in his return. So that was insane. But let's jump into college football news. We got a lot to cover tonight. We're going to cover some recent news in college football, and that's all transfer portal based at this time of the year. Then we're going to go through a discussion topic, which we find is very important. It's a question swirling around social media that's going to entail hopefully a lot of changes just to make it more important, and that's in regards to bowls as well. Then we're going to cover those non-playoff bowl games that we think you need to know about and we're excited for. And then, of course, we're going to get into that college football playoff. So let's lead it off with some transfers. First, let's talk about Malik Murphy, Texas quarterback, commits to Duke. He will replace Riley Leonard in a new scheme, new look Duke next year. So it's a good, it could be a good fit. You never know what you're going to get with kind of the changes that went on coaching wise for them. Then you have Trey Moore, the UTSA defensive end commits to Texas. He'll go play in the SEC. That's a big jump from UTSA, but he had a big year and he shouldn't be a good piece for that Texas defense. And then Diego Pava, Pavia, do you say P? Yep. Pavia. Yep. Pavia, Pavia, Pavia. Uh, the New Mexico State quarterback who you obviously saw have some success against an Auburn defense has hit the portal. He is in. He has not landed anywhere. He did say his was offered today by Washington State. I would say that's his best offer that I've seen so far. I think that's um, going to be right around that level. Uh, high G5. But just I mean, that's a situation where Jake Jerry Kill steps down and a guy just wants to go to a different program. Right. I think coaching change. You kind of let the guy do it and. We'll have a shot at bigger stuff. Um, just before we go any further, the Malik Murphy thing we touched on quickly, like that just sucks. The guy's got to leave. But you got to, at some point, he, his hand was forced. He has to go somewhere. If he waits till after for the spring window, he misses spring practice. And when you're fighting for Division One quarterback jobs, you can't afford to wait that long. So it sucks for the guy. I know for a fact, from everything I've heard from him, from sources within Texas, from the source of the source of the source, 
the guy wanted to stay. He wanted no business to not playing in a college football playoff game because it's he's one thumb away or one finger away from playing in that as he was earlier in the year, right? So um, it sucks that he has to do that, but good for him to find a spot that I think will play into his hand. So I think that's an interesting one to outline. Okay, moving on, we have Giovanni McCoy, the Idaho quarterback, commits to Oregon State. He will go play at a new team in a new conference. Step up for him, so it'll be interesting to see how those guys fit, as we've mentioned before with those G5 guys or FCS guys. Ollie Gordon announces his return to Oklahoma State. That is big time for the Cowboys. He was about 80% of their offensive production this year. They just need to find him a quarterback who's not 85 years old and can kind of even out that offense. And then the biggest name probably, well, there's probably two split and split, but Trevor Etienne, the Florida running back, commits to Georgia. That's just another piece for what Kirby Smart, possibly. Yeah, <laughs> what a what flip. A flip. <laughs> uh, Kirby Smart, he, he needs more pieces. Maybe, probably not, but he he gets one and a big piece in Etienne here. I don't know if he'll be there. There's a lot of rumors swirling around that as well, but it's obviously a big piece anyways. Um, Walter Nolan, we've been waiting for him to commit. He was number one on JP's board, so I'll let him touch on it right away. But the AM DN, he commits to Ole Miss. They add to their absolutely stacked transfer class. JP, what do you think about where he landed? I think it's the right move, right? You just need somebody a little, a run stopper, um, offensive line, line of scrimmage disruptor in the middle. In an Ole Miss defense that hasn't been traditionally great against the run, they haven't been traditionally great at creating turnovers. So this is a good get. I think it's this is just gets the ball rolling. That like this is the big piece right now. I think a couple side pieces with that, um, and little uh, seasoning on the side with some help on the in the DBs and uh, other things to really help that football team out. But yeah, this this was crystal balled, so we kind of had an idea, but you didn't know. I mean, crystal ball in the transfer portal with a guy this big, I think, was just waiting for him to get done with his visits and actually pick a school. Big day for Ole Miss as a name and a massive day for the checkbooks of those donors, especially in the NIL department. They have to pay out some people a lot of money. Jake, that was Walter Nolan was another guy that was high on your list. I believe he was number one or two on your top five in the transfer portal list. What did you take away from where he landed? Yeah, I, I almost thought there was a little bit of competition. I know Oregon kind of went into it uh, with the last couple of days, but I, it really seems like Ole Miss was kind of where he was heading all along. Uh, JP kind of talked about like adding a little bit of, of seasoning towards the rest of this portal class. I feel like Walter Nolan was kind of the main course and the guys they had gotten prior were more of the appetizers. If you, if you will, I, I think that like with Tyler Barron, with Chris Paul, good Jr., analogies. That's what we do. Prince with Princely, you know, the, oh, you man, no, uh, you just, Molan. You just, just hey, saying. you got it. Even good. the call, even the big college football heads just say Princely. They don't even want to try to announce it. With all of those guys coming in, I think that things will kind of slow down. I I don't even know who you really even get at this point. It seems like everybody that is in the portal on the big defensive side of things has already been landed somewhere, but it wouldn't surprise me if Lane Kiffin – we also have to remember there's another window that <laughs> Lane Kiffin mm-hmm. can take advantage of. You know, guys go through Theoretically, these kids from Washington, Texas, yeah. Alabama, Michigan can leave. And they probably will. There probably will be names we saw last year with Georgia um, and some other schools. So maybe there's a couple couple things to add to that. I'll I'll give a little bit of credit where it's due. While they're kind of just grabbing a bunch of names out of a pot, I do think Colorado is adding a little bit of substance in their transfer portal class. Now, I don't Mm -hmm. think their recruiting class is very good right now. They kept the uh, what was it the Stetson kid the five star tackle I think that's mm-hmm. that was massive for them to have any sort of 
difference making on the offensive line position. But I do think that they've gotten some decent players and some decent names in the transfer portal uh, that I think will actually have a good impact in the new Big 12 next year. Good points. I will say I, I'm curious to see what are your guys' thoughts on this. Obviously, you get coaches that put emphasis on either the transfer portal or high school recruiting. Dion signed six high school players. W- what are we thinking on that? Is that far too few? Or, I mean, this is it's a transfer portal in and out program like an NFL team. Well, I think your wonder becomes you have 85 scholarships, right? How much turnover is going on off of it? Like how many scholarships opened up? And I'd say it's probably a decent amount. No, like I think there's kids leaving there in good amount of numbers, but mm-hmm. I, maybe he, like, I don't know. It's a, it's his first true full off season. So you're kind of wondering how he'll attack it. And if he's not, maybe he's being selective. Like maybe he didn't certain kids he didn't want there. Maybe he really wanted to go into the portal and build that way. I, maybe it feels like he's building the opposite. He's building everything on top and he'll get to the foundation later. And I'm again, I don't know if that's the right move, the wrong move. Cause we haven't even seen it play out yet, but I personally think that it's different. I think he just approaches everything different. That's why we're looking at it mm-hmm. so weird, right? And doesn't mean it's right or wrong. Most people are building foundations and they're coming up. It starts in high school recruiting. Whether you are outperforming your recruiting status each year or you're a team like Iowa or a team like Kansas State or a team like, shoot, Texas Tech or somebody like that, where you don't sit high numbers, you sit around you know 20 to 35 or 40 usually every year in the high school recruiting rankings and then you build these guys maybe that's something he's looking to do but i don't think he i think he wants the names that fit like think about combining mclean last year he was one of the top five kids out of high school he barely even saw snaps last year because he wasn't ready and dion was very vocal about that so maybe maybe he doesn't think these kids are ready and he's trying to go a different route on it understood i I mean go ahead jake i was just gonna say i think maybe who knows? It, it's it's year two, but maybe the transfer portal is kind of his thing. But I mean, the guy can recruit a freshman class. Like we, he stole mm-hmm. the number one player in the country to go to Jackson State for God's sake. So he knows how to like bring in guys. I think JP made a good point. Maybe that's just kind of his thing. Is he's very selective, like getting he has two five stars that he's bringing in. That's two more than. 80% of college football teams can say across yep. America right now. So maybe he just finds a couple of guys that he's like, I really want on my program. I think these guys can play right away. And then maybe he loves the transfer portal. He just fills in other spots there. So I, I don't know exactly. I, I don't know, about, but maybe we're just, we just got to kind of pay attention the next couple of years and seeing how he, yeah. that's how he runs his program. Yeah, that's definitely got to be the piece for Seton and that five-star offensive tackle they got. Is he said back in what week seven that they need offensive linemen? If you're going to go there, you're going to play. That's yeah. exactly the situation that kid's walking into. So he'll see snaps right away there. And I think mm-hmm. we're also just kind of lost with Dion's moves because he's the only one. He just does everything off the book, like what yeah. we're so used to. Whether or not it's been portal, high school recruiting, like he's done everything different than normal college football the last mm-hmm. twenty years plus. So and I, it, it, it's all new. I think that's a good thing that we're sitting here saying, like, I don't know. Like, I don't know what I think about it yet. I don't know how it's going to play out because a lot of people out there, because it's Dion or just in other situations, want to jump to conclusions. They want to have an opinion on something. It needs to be dead set. I don't have a clue how it's going to work out. I don't know his real intentions. Again, this is first true cycle through everything. He's only been there one year. So I think us sitting here being like, I'm not sure. Like, I'm not sure how he's attacking. I'm not sure how it's going to look. I'm not sure how well it's going to work for him or how kids are thinking about it. I think that's fine. Like I, 
we don't need to have a super opinion about his offseason moves. We can have an opinion about what they looked like on the field last year. But can I pull the a question? Fandom. Yes, go ahead, Jake. I, I well, unless you have another point, because other because I'm going to turn. No, it, like, that's that was my other point. Parks is going to be part. thinking of it. You have another point on your your favorite team in America. No, I was going to just say that I think when it comes to recruiting, I need to make a message to all college football fans. This new trend of when a school gets a recruit just to automatically get pissed and go, oh, yep, that guy's going to transfer. He's transferring. <laughs> like that's every response to every good recruit that goes anywhere. So college football fans, shut up. You don't know. You're just <laughs> hoping that. I was going to say uh, the Ollie Gordon thing really made me think, does, does he declare for the NFL? 10 years ago and is he like a solidified yes top top two Actually, round pick in, in 10 15 10 15 years ago you could kind of argue that he sh- he'd make more of his buck going now he's using up years theoretically the way I, nfl I looks running backs and the, the shelf life yeah that's exactly right jp it's important years as it, with the shelf life that you got to take another year of hits in a power five conference mm-hmm. it, it all adds up exactly i think he would have gone yes Maybe, and I guess I, I'm not Mel Kuyper Jr. by any means. Maybe he's just not NFL ready. Maybe he doesn't have the body for it. He is kind of a, he's kind of a smaller back. I don't think he's as like fast as a B. John Robinson per se, but I don't know. I thought it was interesting to see him return because, mm-hmm. especially because I don't think he's going to be making a ton in NIL. Now I know they're going to try to compensate him this year more than they did in the previous years, but Do they have a collective down there. They just like question. they put like a new one together, like in October. Okay. Do you remember that Reddit thread where they were all going to leave after the Iowa State game? They were all oh, going to. Yeah. You remember that? And then yeah. they all came out like a week later, like posting the link to this NIL thread saying, yeah. you know, support us. And it, it is really interesting down there. Now that whiskey is a part of it as well. I know we've sent pictures back and forth of the bottle of that, that beautiful bottle of Pistol Pete on it. That's a that's a part of their collective now as well. So they stuff. got a little bit of dollars and cents headed their way. But the last name we forgot to mention before we move on to our discussion for the week, uh, Jerron McCoy, the very good star defensive back for Oregon State. He will go play at Tennessee next year for Josh Heupel and the Volunteers. Another big name headed to the SEC to make SEC football just that much better. So that is a big landing as well. All right. Let's go into this week's discussion. I believe this question was brought to you from Jake. If you had to change one thing about college football bowl season to make it more relevant, to get more eyes on it, what would you change? What do we, what does it need to change to be more successful? Is it opt-outs? What are you thinking? JP, I'll go to you this one first. I think this one is one where you could have a really, really deep take or a really big solution with a lot of, you know, bullets behind it and, whatnot but i i kind of went back to a discussion we've had multiple times what if we took some of these bowl games right and we developed a g5 playoff out of it and i i go back and forth on it and i like that sounds like a really good idea because saying that wyoming and toledo and ohio and san diego state and all these schools are playing the same sport as teams in the big 10 and sec and the big 12 is just it's it's true in the fact that quite literally they're both playing football, but it is very far-fetched and I think almost irresponsible to say that they are on par with these programs. It's not a level playing field. It never will be. It never has been. But what if you said, hey, uh, we're talking about the Barstool Sports Bowl later. Barstool Sports Arizona Bowl, do you want to be the semifinal of the G5 playoff? These guys will come down to Arizona for a semifinal. You'll have the two teams. You'll do your whole shebang. 
broadcast it, bang. Other side, you could have, I don't know, the Armed Forces Bowl, something like that, right? Other semifinal. And build into that and go that way with it. My only issue, and I, I'm playing devil's advocate to my own point here, is if you do that, does it hurt the G5 teams who don't get into this 12-team or X amount of team playoff? Does that say, hey, Bowling Green, you just played Minnesota, right? You lost, but whatever. Like, does that, Do people now want to play in, was that the lock? What bowl game was that that they just Lockheed played in? Armed Forces Bowl? No, the one the- in Detroit. Oh, the quick, the quick lane and lane. Yeah, quick lane. Yep. Does that say, hey, Bowling Green, do they go? Actually, I don't know. It's not that important. We didn't make the G5 playoff. That's my only rebuttal on it. But I think it makes sense to develop this. And it doesn't need to be another subdivision, although it probably will end up being. But I think that would be a really good start. A really good I don't start. think that's a terrible point. But I also don't think, to your devil's advocate, I don't think other schools would be like, like Bowling Green's not going to turn down the quick lane bowl. Like Rice is not going to turn down, you know, the Surf Pro Bowl that whatever's going on. Surf right Pro now. First Responder Bowl. Sorry, I was just reading the 50 no, yard line. You know, Texas State made their first bowl game in 10 years just because they didn't make the G5. I think those teams care more. So I don't think you're going to get opt outs from those teams. I think they're going to be happy wherever they land, but I think it'll add a little more con- incentive. If you do make the Arizona Bowl a semifinal, mm-hmm. you make. Maybe the championship of the G five being, I don't, I don't even know what. I don't know either. But you'd find something. The Hawaii. Somebody would want to do it. (laughs) Let me piggyback on that one, Jake. I I think you're one hundred percent correct. They do matter to those G five teams. It's their selling point for recruiting. Like Wyoming, who I'm going to talk about later. They've made bowl games the last six years. That's a huge selling point to get underrated or maybe highly rated players that are still considering them there. And it gets them more money. And you have to remember these smaller schools don't have these big collectives where everybody's getting big paychecks all the time, big stipends. So when they go to these bowl games and get $1,200 with a Nike gear, PlayStation 5s, oh, yeah. all this free shit, it matters. It's cool, and it does matter. So that would be my devil, devil's advocate would be on the same side as you, Jake. But I don't hate the idea at all. A G5 championship would be awesome, and it would open so many doors. I don't so think the doors. bowl games would say, no, I don't want to be a part of that either. I think they would want to no be a way. part of that. It, yeah, you know no, no people because they're trying to get the eye of yeah. the the common man. It's a mm-hmm. it's a championship. All right, I'll watch it now. Like I'm what more, about, yeah, that's this, what it is. This isn't my this isn't my um my change, but I heard this on a conversation on a podcast and it really got me thinking. What if what if the SEC had its own four team playoff and the rest of the Power Five conferences or whoever's kind of left? Maybe there's an ACC, Big Twelve, Big Ten. There's a six or eight team playoff on their own. And just like back way back in the day when the NFL played the AFL in the Super Bowl, you have your SEC champion play the winner of that eight team playoff for your national championship. Because I don't know, the conversation was had, you know, the basically SEC country thinks that they're they should make their own playoff anyways. It's kind of the best of what they do. You know, all of the television revenue can go to them. All the money can go to them for that four-team playoff. But then at the end, they're going to put their best against whoever Mm -hmm. the rest of the country's best that we can throw at them. And then maybe it's – I kind of like it. I I thought about it. Why are we acting like – but, like, I I know they've won a ton of these titles in the last 10, 11 years. I I get that. I really do. But it also – They're the last seed. One of the best teams of all time in LSU to do it. An Alabama team in 2020 that was arguably just as good. 
And then Georgia, your team that you said was one of the best teams of all time last year, should have lost to Ohio State. Like, it's not – we're not that far off. They Like, it's it's fine, I think, as it is. In 12, 12, you're going to get four teams in it anyway. So this is why the expansion thing is interesting because if you get four SEC teams in it, how many of them are playing in the semifinal? No, I'm not arguing that you're wrong. No, I'm just, I just the think idea. that's 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 a little dramatic to say that three conferences combined don't equal one. That's a little crazy. It, I the four team playoff, like you're, if there's four of them, you're bound to likely play one of those games throughout the year, right? So we're already getting the answer that the four team playoff. I thought you were gonna say like, like four teams like Penn State, Michigan, Ohio State, whoever in the Big Ten, right? Uh, SEC, like a Alabama, playoff each, yeah, in each, and then your winner of that goes into a four team that way. That's what I thought you were gonna say. I like that because, idea because it, it, becomes a, it becomes a national semifinal, no, like what we have now without the expanded playoff. The only problem is, is with that, like, take away a regular season game, you play have 11 to, games. right? You have play to, right? you have to, yeah, you have to, like, kind of like the high school playoff in, in Iowa, anyways. You, it's kind of yeah. that way, anyways. But, yeah, we go to the next point because we got games to break down. <laughs> no, I was going to say my my change for next year being because I think there needs to be a change, uh, especially with a 12-team playoff. The rest of the bowl games will get left in the dust otherwise. And I think it starts with opt-outs. And I think it starts with like we talk about motivation all the time. We got to bring motivation on either side. And how do you do that? Um, number one, I think it's got to be NIL-based. I think these bowl games have to start rewarding kids. I think each team, whether you – since see, obviously I'm not the expert, so I don't pay know. Pay the collective. I would pay the collective, but also do you pay the winner of the bowl game or do you just pay up front to both of these teams an equal amount and then they can share with their team however they want? Here's it's kind of hey, what I was thinking. Swarm collective, here's five hundred thousand dollars. Hey, who Tennessee's collective? I don't know what it's called. Here's five hundred thousand dollars to play. Or what it up the winner, winner, the winner gets an additional five. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. That that's kind of where I was like, maybe in these first round draft picks, they're never gonna play again. Like if they're not in a playoff game, and JP, we've argued maybe they're always gonna opt out. Like these first round draft picks, an extra fifty grand is nothing to them for their new rookie contracts. But it might keep around the second, the third round picks, the fourth round picks to be like, number one, I want to win and get that cash mm. for myself, but I want to help out my teammates who might never have like a professional contract and, and get them an extra 50k i think that would be really cool i think I, you'd see guys at tennessee that are opting out of this game who aren't high level first five round draft picks like those guys would probably stay and yeah. that's a lot of the people that are, a lot of people that are opting out nowadays aren't necessarily your first second round draft picks they are just guys who want to go portal or they want to just try their luck in the nfl or like it's it's more so that way and here's my here's my last point so we have the nil based number two change the calendar year we cannot have I, I i don't even think that most of them are opt-outs because of draft situations i think most of our bowl game issues for opting out are transfer portal situations because the window opens up right when bowl games start i understand kids are still going to school they're still stuck in start of classes they got to transfer before classes start in the middle of january but why don't we just change it to maybe the uh, middle of january till the middle of february or something like that, or maybe they can't transfer until the spring. What eliminate it? You have to go through spring ball. I don't know, but the window right now for it starting in the beginning of December is just it ruins bowl games, it's ruining everything. It the Malik Murphy situation is a great example. 
Perfectly said. I think that is a good spot to end. My only addition would have been, I just, my only point would have been, we had to solve opt-outs and then everything's relevant again. People tune back in, people talk about them. If we solve the opt-out situation, it's only not fun because it's Ohio's third string quarterback and not their starter. I think, well, what about that Syracuse game the other night? That was just, as a football fan, that really, it pissed me off. And I mean, it it just sucks for that program and those guys, man. Like coaches are going, their coaches want to leave. The guys aren't even there. They don't have a quarterback to throw out there. Hey, UCF, your USF wanted to beat there and they beat their ass, which was, that was the fun part. But the Syracuse side, it was just depressing. Like that's why people make fun of, that's why the casuals make fun of us. And I don't blame them for that. Fair enough. I love it. That's a great discussion point, Jake. Good question. We'll find another one for you next time we join you but let's go to some important bowl game previews we're going to lead off with but did you want to give us your change i mine i yeah i just said solve the opt-outs and i like the nil (laughs) idea i I think sure it's like i think the only way to do the nil thing there is to have the salary-based collective i know nebraska does it i know there are like 10 other schools that do it where everybody gets a set percentage but then Mm -hmm. anything additional than their set percentage that's even throughout the team is divvied up based upon the percentage that they got during the year. Example A, Jeff Sims made $900,000 from one advertising deal. He would get then 7% because that's 7% of their total collective at what of whatever the bowl game got. So the still the gotcha. higher end players are still getting the higher end paychecks, incentivizing them to play more. I think that's pretty much the only gotcha. way to solve it, but I don't know if they'll be able to do it. Okay, now let's get to bowl game previews. JP is going to lead us off with an absolute beauty, the Pop-Tarts Bowl, the first bowl to have an eatable trophy. I saw it today. There's eatable. Pop-Tarts in the top. Eatable. Edible. Eatable. There you go. Edible. 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 Well, edible, It's of course it's edible, but it's also eatable. No, no other trophies, edible or eatable. <laughs> I just think it's edible. Is it the same thing? I thought edible meant <laughs> yeah, it had it, taste. I don't like, think edible is a word. Does eatable oh. mean eatable i'm thinking eatable means you can eat it edible means it has a taste no brother what no there's edible no shot just, edible is just it's you could eat it come That's on man. What... <laughs> i should i you I'm, I'm taking it from the edible experts okay the pop tarts bowl <laughs> the pop tarts bowl nc state and kansas state uh, Kansas State's got a new look to it. Obviously, Will Howard found a new home. And NC State is a team who has lost all their quarterbacks pretty much as well, but somehow found themselves in the nine-win column. So this should be a good one. JP's going to take us through it. This one happens on the 28th. JP, what do you see happening? Yeah, I'm just going to outline your opt-outs for these schools real quick. Uh, these are the bigger-name ones that matter. There's obviously more than what this list um, has, but these are the ones to pay attention to. Uh, NC State, first first one, MJ Morris. Obviously, we saw that whole thing when he decided to redshirt. Uh, went through the whole offseason, and he's in the portal. Uh, Jakeem Harris as well, he uh, hit the portal, ended up transferring to North Carolina. He's one of their safeties on the back end. Big one that hurts is Peyton Wilson. He's going to try and go to the NFL. He's had big injuries. He is a guy that I think he had 130-some tackles. That's almost 60 or 70 more than the next guy on their team. He's an All-American. I believe he won the Bud Eric Award. Absolute stud. He will be out of this one. Kansas State, Treshawn Ward transfer, Will Howard transfer. That's your quarterback and running back duo for this team, but uh, they do in Kansas State, that is thinking, let's go to the future a little bit. Let's see what Avery Johnson has to offer for me on this one. The big thing is how strong does NC State stay on defense, right? You lose your uh, middle linebacker, who's your leader, your captain, a guy who is nationally recognized, as we were just talking about. And now 
you lose a safety on the back end and the uh, secondary. It's been a really good defense. How do you adjust for this offense in Kansas State? That's still going to have playmakers, still people um, with the ability to hit the big play, and especially with Avery Johnson and a guy who's super mobile with his ability to run. It's going to be interesting to see if they can stay as stingy as they have the entire year. I do think on the offensive side of the ball, right, you still have uh, Brennan Armstrong. Can he get a little bit better? This isn't a bad Kansas State defense, but it's not uh, groundbreaking. It's not going to uh, suffocate the life out of you. It's good, but you just need a good Armstrong. You need a defense to continue to be solid against a pretty pretty good offense at Kansas State. Kansas State-wise, like, how do you attack with Avery Johnson? How good can he uh, – go against the defense when it's not just running the football, when he's not coming in certain packages uh, to run the option and RPOs. Can he really run an offense? Can he throw the football downfield? Can he make the right reads? Now, I think this is a good team for him to get that first big experience with. I know he's played in games throughout the year, but when you stick him against a defense that's been this good all year, I think it'll be it's a really good thing for North Carolina State and Kansas State to find out what they have for next year. Let's see what we're going into next year with. A win here is a massive deal for these pro these programs because ten wins for NC State they've never done it. You go t- you win ten games this year that is program building. You can sell that to anybody whether you want it in a bowl game or not. In a year where most people thought six and six, seven and five is what they were going to roll with. Kansas State you wanted another Big Twelve title, but you're turning the page right here. Like we're turning the Will Howard page, we're turning the Trayshawn Ward page. We're going to a guy who's supposed to be the future of this program. Let's let him work. Let's let him eat. And if I'm part of the fan base of either of these schools, I'm ready to go and very happy to uh, be a part of this one. Jake, what do you take on this game? Well, Kansas State specifically, I they have a few more guys that have hit the portal. They were kind of poached uh, worse than than the average team in college football this this uh, December. And it starts with Kobe Savage at the safety spot. That's going to be a big miss for them, but. I think they still have some pieces offensively that they'll be fine. They still have their running back outside of Ward. Uh, they have Ben Sennett, Phillip Brooks, a couple of other guys. I think they'll be okay. Um, it's kind of a fun quarterback matchup. I don't know if I want to say good yet, at least for the Brennan Armstrong side of things. He's because good has not been in his vocabulary this year. Avery Johnson's been good in the games he's played, but we've only seen him a couple of times. So I think that this will be fun. I think JP said it pretty well. I think these are two coaches that are really respected in college football. I think these are two coaches that maximize their program with anybody that they get. They're more of teams that bring in two and three star kids. And so I think these second stringers and these guys, these opt outs that they've been having, I I think they'll have a next man up ready to go. And I think this is going to be a fun one. Um, I just blindly going into it, give me much better quarterback. And I think that they still have some more, offensive weapons that'll be better against an NC State defense. So if I had to pick somebody, give me Kansas State here. I like that. And here's why. I think you got to look at Avery Johnson and how excited that fan base is to have a quarterback that's that highly touted. Probably the most highly touted quarterback Kansas State maybe has ever gotten in the modern era to college football. And you kind of saw why from when he did get snaps this year, he's pretty good, man. He can run, he can throw. They've already made the hype videos for it. I mean, this is the next era of Kansas State football that you're going to see, and they're pretty excited for it. And then I got to look at just general competition that they face throughout the year. If you're going to look at across the board, I think Kansas State probably played better teams more often. So give me Kansas State, a war-ready team. I think they win this one outright. JP, who you got after that great preview into this game? I This one's really tough for me. I've gone back and forth a million times. I think two and a half, though, 
doesn't scare me as much. Like if this was four and a half, five, I'm probably taking the dog on either side. Um, I I'll go Kansas State here, but I'm not. That's a that's a low confidence pick for me. It's a low confidence mm-hmm. level pick for me. Clean sweep, clean sweep through the Pop Tarts Bowl, the edible mascot and trophy. Thank you, boys, for the English lesson. Now let's move to an, the next one, one that made our most excited on paper for bowl games. I believe it was Reese's, and that is the beautiful, the historical Alamo Bowl. This year, sponsored by Valero, uh, Oklahoma, Arizona. Uh, Oklahoma, kind of a team that's lost a few pieces, had some off-field issues, um, and that's, I think, the, the soft way to put it. But Jake is taking us through this one. Jake, what do you got on this game? Yeah, I think any Alamo Bowl uh, is is really exciting. I don't know what it is, but it, either they're just really Love good. Love the at Alamo the, Bowl. Love it. It is. Like, the atmosphere is a lot of fun. Usually, it, it really maximizes its crowds. It always it seems that it's pretty at pretty much at full capacity. And I don't know if the bowl selectors of the Alamo Bowl, like they just pick two prolific offenses every single time. But it always seems like they get two high-flying offenses that are just going to throw it around the yard in that dome. The overs under is set at, I think, 62.5. I believe the overs hit uh, pretty much every year. That's a pretty bad stat to give you guys. But the last 10 years, I'm pretty sure it's like 9 of 10 or something like that. Uh, a lot of opt-outs, like you said, Parks, on the Oklahoma side of things, especially the offensive line's completely depleted, which is too bad because we are getting the debut of Jackson Arnold. Uh, he's thrown like 24 passes this year, but this is his first start. Uh, Weapons-wise, he's going to have the majority of the receivers. Obviously, we know about the injury of Andre Anthony that he won't have, but he's going to have Drake Stoops. He's going to have Anderson. He's going to have a couple more guys that he's going to be able to throw to that Gabriel had to his assets. Uh, but they don't have any running backs. So this was a team that averaged 43 points a game. No offensive line, no running backs, five-star freshmen. What a better chance to really step in there and just, hey, let loose. Let loose on an Arizona defense that lost eight guys to the portal. Just keep in mind. Um, on the other side, Noah Fafita has really changed uh, the trajectory of Jed Fish in their program. This was seen as a team that was – going to be lucky to have be in a bowl game let alone have nine wins at this point um not a lot of a lot of uh transfers or opt-outs on the offensive side of the thing so again a team that throws it around a lot Fafita throws for over 300 yards a game that's that's really the main tale of this you're just going to get two teams who are going to throw it all night long personally I'm a big fan I don't know who would be a hater of this so the line set at three and a half or, or at three. I'm going to take Oklahoma. I've been pretty stuck on Arizona, but I'm going to take Oklahoma just because of how what I've seen from from underdogs this week. And I think Oklahoma still has better athletes in their two and three deeps compared. That's to the Big Twelve Homer pick of the week, brought to you by Jake. <laughs> JP, who you got in this one? I'll take Arizona. Uh, this is a team that is just fired up to have the year that they just did. I think Oklahoma knows good things are on the horizon. Uh, you got a big move to the SEC. I think they get a little bit of a look ahead for kids that are still playing. I, again, fan base here, though, that is very excited to see what they have um, sitting in the in the barrel here for the next couple of years with Jackson Arnold. Venables is a good coach. That defense has just gotten better and better. But I think this is just a weird spot right here. Like you're just getting the wrong team in this situation. So I'll take Arizona. Bear down. 
put me on that list as well. Give me Arizona, and I think you got to look at it maybe from a fan perspective, Jake. I know you said that they always show up for this game, and it's somewhat loud for a bowl game. I think this is going to be heavy Oklahoma because Arizona's kind of a powerhouse in basketball, and it's the middle of basketball season. Mm -hmm. But this team is ready to go. I mean, this is a team that nobody looked twice at until week seven, and here they are rolling into a bowl game against a good team ready to prove that they belong. So give me Noah Fafita. I trust that man with my life. Bear down, put me on that list. We got a two and one split, but I think I don't know where Reese would side, but uh, that that's going to be a good one. Closing thoughts, I've Jake, heard, on uh, this game. I've heard Arizona, or San Antonio is an incredible bowl destination, by the way, and a fun mm -hmm. town. So that'd be a fun yep. one to go to if I ever get the chance to. Yeah, I remember when it was the old Mastercard days, the Mastercard Alamo Bowl. That was the goat. That was okay. the goat time. Some of these sponsors are kind of what stick in your mind. Over like, under three and a half uh, cutaway shots before or after commercial of the actual Alamo. Three and a half. Ooh, over, over. It's got to be, right? Got to be. game after the first drive or two, halftime, and then like close to the end of the game, like mid yeah. or early fourth quarter, I think. It's got to be. After every fourth. commercial yeah. break, I feel like it'll be panned over before they go back to the yep. stadium at least once. That's just kind of how they do things at ESPN. Fine. That's fine. I'm, I'm all in. I just, I just know it happens a lot, and I'm ready to watch it. It's all just right. as cool the fifth time. Two and one split on the Alamo Bowl. Let's move to the next one. This is another beauty of a game. Ohio State, Missouri. Missouri, a new team in the mix of these powerhouse teams. They obviously have weapons. Uh, I know they're already in town. This game's on the 29th. This is the Goodyear Cotton Bowl, another beauty of a bowl game. That is one of my favorites. I believe JP is taking us through this one. JP, what do you got on this one? Absolutely. Before a breakdown again, let's just touch on some opt-outs here. Uh, obviously, for Ohio State, quarterback Kyle McCord. Has transferred to Syracuse. Julian Fleming's in the portal. Marvin Harrison Jr. is unlikely to play. I believe I saw today he was not in pads at practice, uh, not practicing, but he was there with the team. I just I think it's an ailing injury. Just kind of he's trying to get through it a little bit, but it's seeming unlikely. This according to some uh, Ohio State websites I was looking at. Other ones outside of that, but those are some big ones. Missouri, help me out. I didn't find a ton of big ones here for Missouri that really decided to opt out of this one. Um, Jake, I don't know if you saw anything different, but not any big names for them that really decided to leave, mm. um, whether that's portal, opt-outs, whatnot. But it's going to be a fun game because these two teams really do stack up well. Uh, so you, when you go and look at Ohio State, without McCord, how good are we going to be throwing the football? right? And this is not a great Missouri defense, but they are worse against the pass than they are against the run. Ohio State hasn't made their bread and butter on the ground as much. But when you look at this, Ohio State is 19th in yards per completion, 25th in completion percentage, 22nd in pass yards per game. Missouri is ranking 35th in yards per completion, 102nd in completion percentage, and 63rd in pass yards per game. So there is opportunity for um, Devin Brown and this Ohio State team to take advantage of that through the air. Can you do it? Right? Is the confidence there with the kid? Are you going to trust the offense to be in that uh, that spot? When you look on the other side, like run game is not going to be the move for Ohio State. I don't think so. This Missouri team is good. 41st in yards per rush, 32nd yards per game. Ohio State ranking outside of the top 70 in rush yards a game and outside of the top 80 in yards – or sorry, yards per rush at 73rd and outside the top 80 in yard rush yards per game. So this is not the recipe for success on the ground. So Missouri, where are you going to – can you beef up on the defensive side of the secondary? Can Devin Brown take advantage of those – things if you're ohio state it'll be interesting to see how they go about it because you still have really good running backs for ohio state the offensive line's been good but you haven't bullied people throughout the whole year can you do that in this situation 
on the other side, I think Missouri's got a real opportunity to flex some muscles and show just how good they were on offense for majority of the year, right? You saw Cook um, struggle against Georgia defense like that, but he, in other situations, was lighting up the world, right? Missouri, can you find a way to continue to be explosive on offense? And this is a balanced attack. I mean, this is a team that could run the football. They've been very good with Schrader. They have the ability to throw the football. They have weapons on the outside, and they aren't susceptible to turnovers. Uh, Missouri, I think this is really interesting. You didn't, I didn't know how high they ranked within the country. 15th in the country in yards per play. Ohio State's ranked third defensively in yards per play. So that's this is where this whole game is going to happen. It's going to be Missouri's offense, Ohio State's defense. How do these two stack up? Where do you go attack them? For me, personally, I don't know if this is the situation of Missouri. This is a team that was pumped to win these the games they did this year, to go and have a chance at a game like this against a brand like this. This is where they want to be. This is where they believe they should be. And that's where this momentum in the recruiting trail, whether it's portal or high school kids, has kind of taken this program in the last shoot couple months even couple weeks man this team is ready to roll i think they're in a really good spot i think this is a pick them or one in most spots i personally think missouri wins this game i think devin brown if, if mccord and was that big of a problem to fans at ohio state and to the coaching staff to not change in the middle of the year or anything i don't think brown necessarily is that next answer it's really going to Shock the world here. Now, again, like I mentioned, the past defense in Missouri is not great. They have been susceptible to that throughout the year to multiple different teams. You saw Florida really run it on them very well. You saw them throw it on them very well. Can Ohio State do that? I'm not sure. And I don't think the run game is going to be the answer on the other side. So I'll take Missouri. I love it. This is going to be a good one. It's obviously two very well-known teams. Missouri trying to fit in the picture here. Jake, who you got in this one? Yeah, I think that this is going to be fun. I don't. If on the Missouri side, yeah, like you said, JP, we still get Luther Burden, Brady Cook, Cody Schrader. For Ohio State, do we get a Mecca Abuka? Is he going yes. to play? Yes. Okay. He, from what I understand, he's playing. Like Travion Anderson's going to play. Kate yep. Stover's going to play. Like yep. Those are good I've names. South Dakota guy, myself, I'd love to see Lincoln Keyholtz out there instead of Devin Brown, but we'll have to wait and see on that. Uh, I think this is going to be fun, but – I like Missouri. I think Missouri defensively has been stout all year. And I think whatever quarterback that trots out there for Ohio State, they're going to have some fits. I think they're good in the secondary. Um, and I think the way that Missouri runs the football, that will kind of open things up against a pretty good Ohio State defense. I don't think there's going to be as many points as people expect in this game. I think people kind of look at it and be like, this could be like a 35 to 30 matchup. And Honestly, the bowl games have been trending that way, but I think we could get kind of a little defensive. Uh, I'm seeing 24 20 in my world. That's where yeah. I'm at in this one. That's where I see it at I'm, least. And I'm taking Missouri. I will take Missouri in this, what's basically a pick em. I'm jumping on that train with you. I think you got to take a look at kind of where this team's at, how they've been so close to taking that next step. You know, you get within a score on, on the road at Georgia, you, you lose here in, in another close game. And then you have Ohio State, a fan base that couldn't be more down on a coach that's not deserving to be looked down upon. And you Amen. just got to take Missouri in that spot. I mean, I mean, you got Cody Schrader, probably the SEC, should have been the SEC player of the year. But obviously you have Heisman Trophy winners coming out of that conference. So give me Missouri in this game. I think it's going to be a dogfight. I agree, Jake, low scoring, but give me Missouri. J-Poo, who you got? What's your pick? Oh, I'm taking Missouri. Yep. I, I just think the, I, these are this is a really good matchup. Like they both fit well into this game and how they go but 
I'm taking Missouri, the momentum, and where they're at. I think this one, this is another one that would be so fun without the portal, without opt-outs. Think of how fun this one would be. This would be probably marked at the top of your list to kind of see if Missouri's for real I will say, though, what, what Ohio State receiver, what Ohio State freshman receiver will show out in this game that we'll talk about over the offseason? It always seems like a bowl game shows up for Ohio State and some new freshman receiver ends up going for 150 yards because of the opt-outs. Mm-hmm. And, and they're the new face going into next year. That's what I'm kind of looking forward to. It's without a doubt wide receiver you. That's for that's for sure. I mean, there there's these schools that they can go back and find this one moment in time where you take a picture. Alabama, it's always the quarterback room. Iowa, it's always the picture of the tight ends. It was like Kittle, Laporta, and uh, I'm missing no, the one fan. in the middle, JP. No, fan. Fan. And there's fan. one in the middle, too. Hawkinson, all in the same room. And then wide, wide receiver at Ohio State's that way. You got Olave, Mbuka, Harrison Jr. It's ridiculous how loaded they are. So good point. It will be interesting to see who jumps out on paper for them this year. Okay, let's move to the next one. Another beauty, the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl. This is the one that Jake said he was most excited for because he thinks it's going to be the most realistic as old bowl games were. That's Old Miss, Penn State. Jake, take us through it. Yeah, I mean, I highlighted this a couple of weeks ago, so I won't jump into it too much, but there are just some fascinating matchups that I'm really excited for on this one. Uh, number one being, how does the fan base feel about Drew Aller going into the offseason? Because he's got a good opportunity on Saturday. He's taken advantage of bad defenses this year. Obviously, we saw his performances against Michigan and Ohio State, and the fan base really killed him. I mean, if he doesn't come out and throw for at least 250 yards or 300 yards, I think the fan base could really get on him because I think this is not a very good Ole Miss defense. We've talked about before, JP, this is a defense that looks good against bad offenses but gets exposed against good good offenses. What is what is Penn State? Um, are they going to start with running the football first? And are they just like, bowl game, screw it, Drew Aller, let it loose. Let's see what you can do here. Let's see what we can carry into 2024. I think that's a fascinating matchup. And and all the, also on the other side, I get to watch Lane Kiffin go against this awesome uh, Penn State defense. I know they don't have Manny Diaz uh, being the coordinator for them, but still similar personnel. I think it's obviously going to keep the same scheme. I think that's just going to be awesome to see how uh, – Jacks how they can uh, match up against Penn State. Mm-hmm. So those are kind of the two matchups that I'm I'm really looking at. If I had to pick one here, I I would probably three I mean, and a half is where I look at this. I'm like, I think I'm going dog again. I really do. Um, but there's also a part of me that see, sees Penn State's defenses defense doing its thing again with their pass rush and Ole Miss's defense being the Ole Miss defense we're accustomed to. So. But right now, I'm going to take Ole Miss. I'll keep mine quick. I think you're hit the nail on the head when it comes down to with the changes at the coordinator positions for Penn State. What kind of Penn State team are we going to get? You're not going to see a lot of changes defensively for them, scheme wise, that is, and kind of what they dial up and what they do because they found yep. success this year. But in the offensive side of things, are they going to open it up? Are they going to let Aller chuck it around the yard and see what happens? Because obviously, you found holes in Old Miss's defense this year which they're replacing right now as we speak so i think penn state gets the best of them i like the line i think penn state ground and pounds it controls the clock keeps old miss's offense off the field and if they get on the field i feel good about penn state's defense but it'll be interesting to see what their offense looks like jp round us out who you got 
this is the better Big Ten matchup right here. I think this is I think Penn State got the better draw for what they are. I think Ohio State got the tough end of this one getting Missouri. I think Penn State lines up with Ole Miss a lot better than Ohio State does with Missouri in some spots. I'll go with Penn State a little Big Ten homerism in that spot. Yep, I'll take that too. I'll take that hit as well. Penn State too. Uh, the other side, Jake's a lonesome. We'll see if Reese joins him. All right. Let's move to the last one. I'm going to be very quick with this. I just, you know, I had to throw in a little G5 sprinkle on the CW show us. Yes, the CW and Barstool will put it out there for free. Jake March on the call. It's a fun one to watch because it's very gambling oriented, even though it's not supposed to be. Big Cat, Dave Portnoy, they're going to be on the mic and they're going to they're going to drop the lines. They try not to, but they put 25 grand on it and it just makes it a fun game to watch. Ohio wins it in overtime last year electric bowl game i expect more of the same this year you got a really good toledo team rolling in obviously we gotta start with the opt-outs and the biggest one on paper daquan finn who's already committed to baylor outside of that we're getting a pretty realistic game however daquan finn you make up 62 percent of toledo's offensive production we're going to see quite a different toledo team it's a toledo team that couldn't find anything to do with him on the field against miami of ohio in the mac championship craig bowles coaching his final game at wyoming a coach who won three FCS national titles and went 104 and 32 in his time at NDSU coaching his last game ever in Nebraska play as well. He was on Tom Osborne's staff, just a college football living legend and a gritty program like Wyoming playing in a bowl game. Let me drop this stat for you for all you past homers at one and four in their last five bowl games. Toledo is Wyoming three and one. And that last, that loss came last year in the, Barstool Sports Arizona Bowl. They've been here before. This is a Craig Bull play to the max. My favorite pick I've given you all year. Take Wyoming outright in this game to cover. To take them all because they're going to win this game handily. Toledo's got nothing on them. It's a gritty program, and they're going to come out with a gritty win in Arizona. I love this matchup. JP, who you got? I'd take a Wyoming. Simple. I, I just... I, I don't think the Mac is that great. I don't think Toledo was that great. I think you found that out in the conference title game. You lose your quarterback. That literally made you walk, as you pointed out with those stats, Parks. I think you take Wyoming here. That's a team that they're always they're always battling. They're always in games, even if they get down. And three and a half is not big. It's not going to be a 35-45 game, but this team could win 21-13, and I'll take Wyoming. If you look at the G5 teams, you got to also kind of take a look at the Power 5 teams that they played throughout the year. You got Toledo. Okay, they went and played a very unexpectedly bad Illinois team and just lost. Honestly, probably should have won the game. And then you have a Wyoming team who played a few good Power 5 teams, including the college football playoff Texas Longhorns, who we're about to talk about. So that's another thing you got to look into. Jake, round us out who you got in this one. Yeah, without question. I think it's it's Wyoming for everything that you both laid out. Uh, I hope Andrew Peasley plays another magnificent game so like the last I. time I, I watched him play I, I, against Texas Tech, of one of the Kids more gritty, underrated man. games. Kids one gritty. of the more underrated games of the year. Um, I could see another another one going out for his coach. So three and a half seems short for a Toledo team that couldn't move the ball in Miami of, Miami of Ohio with the Quan Finns. So. All right, there it is. That's a clean sweep for our Wyoming. Knowing Reese, he's a good man. He'll pick Wyoming and join us on that ride. All right, we are here. This is the moment you've all been waiting for. If you're just joining us on this YouTube clip, welcome in. We are about to talk about the college football playoff, the mecca of college football, the four best teams, not the four most deserving. Let's make that very clear. Otherwise, we'd be talking about Florida State in this. We're going to start with the Rose Bowl, Michigan, 
Alabama. That's the earlier game. These are on New Year's Day this year. Which do you guys like that? Quick, yes or no? No. I don't know. I, I think I'm no. indifferent. I think I, think I like it. I think I'm the opposite of most people in the fact that New Year's Eve, you're like either starting to get hammered, you don't really end up paying attention. And this one's going to be like the, you know, you're sitting on the couch to the kind of that Rose Bowl time frame where it's like the mm-hmm. perfect, you're relaxing, you enjoying your day off. I actually don't mind it. So that's fun. But let's start with Michigan, Alabama. We're going to just round table it, give you our insight. We'll lead it off with Jake. What do you see in this game? Yeah, I, this is going to be. As of as what I like to say is an absolute slobber knocker because I think these are two physical teams defensively. Um, you have the world beating defense in Alabama. I really do. I think that highly of that side of the ball for them with Caleb Downs, uh, with J- Dallas Turner. There are just guys all over the field that could really create some havoc for Michigan. Michigan's finally trying to get over the hump of getting that college football playoff win that Harbaugh has yet to check off his list. Well, they they don't get TCU this year. They get Alabama, and they get a great defense. Luckily, on the other side of the ball, I don't think they're going to be uh, absolutely blown away by what Jalen Milrow and the uh, Alabama offense brings to the table, but Alabama ranks fourth in yards per completion offensively. I think for every time we've talked about Alabama this year, it's like the big plays. That's what Alabama brings to you offensively. Uh, they don't have much of a run game other than Milrow probably making plays with his legs, whether it be designed runs or just scrambles in general. Uh, Honestly, this game comes down to you have two physical teams like this, two great defenses. Who's going to capitalize in the red zone? Statistically, it favors Alabama. They're seventh uh, in the seventh ranked red zone offense in the country. Michigan, not too terrible, but they're at 37th. So Alabama is really efficient once they cross the 20. Uh, I think that that's really going to make or break this game. Who can convert touchdowns instead of field goals when they really matter? Um, when I look at similar or common opponents, Michigan faced Penn State this year on the road. And Penn State presented a lot of matchup issues for them defensively or offensively, I should say. They got a lot of pressure on J.J. McCarthy, which resulted from them getting away from the passing game. He threw set. Everybody knows you seven of eight for like 60 yards. They ran it 20 straight times. Um, they're without their all American guard. What is it? Zinter is that yeah, their guards, Zinter. their guards name. Alabama is a much better defensive line than I think Penn state is. And that's a really good linebacking core and front seven for them. So the question is, is how good is JJ McCarthy going to be? Is he going to be seven of eight? like against Mm -hmm. Penn state, or is he going to convert some fourth down throws like he did against Ohio state, which I think he's going to have to do that. So that's just the big question, red zone and the pressure that Alabama is going to get on JJ McCarthy. And how does he respond that that is going to answer this game in my opinion. JP. Yeah. You took that word, those words out of my mouth. Like you said, JJ McCarthy needs to step up and it kind of became that, that kind of game for him. I think you look back last year, I think it was maybe, a little too much confidence going into that one through a couple of passes that never should have been thrown, uh, just some decision mistakes. But then you go into this year, right? And it's not been, uh, you know, like, why aren't they? Like, why are there not big plays through the air? Why are they not hitting these big plays? Why can't they has become the question. Why are they unable to? Why are you unable to stretch the field vertically, right? And it is it weapons-based? Maybe. I think it's just, I think it's a com- combination of things. My thing 
in this situation is Dallas Turner on the edge is a problem. But now you have to keep him off your quarterback. You now have to stretch the field vertically. And I'm not saying we don't have to hit four or five 25 yard plus passes, but we need to be able to get 10 here, 15 there, and just keep them honest, right? But when you have Kool Aid McKinstry in this Alabama secondary that's been locked down the entire year, it becomes a problem. Where did Texas find success against this Alabama team? Yours was able to hit multiple, Xavier Worthy, and multiple guys deep consecutively. Can JJ do that? I'm not sure. On the flip side, here's where I think this really helps Michigan. Now, They've been good defensively the entire year. This will be probably the, not the best offense they've faced, but it kind of feels like this is the most challenging, right? Because you're so unpredictable in Alabama on how they want to move the football. They want to run the football well, and they want to throw it deep and hit home run shots. Well, how many times do you get so worked up with the run that Jalen Milrow can uh, find Bond downfield or he's able to find Nye Black in the seam? That's what the problem becomes. I like the Michigan DBs. Mike Sanders still is an All-American. He's a guy who's going to be big for them if he can lock down Isaiah Bond. Um, or Jermaine Burton, I think, is the big one here. If Sanders still could find a way to keep um, Burton from getting six receptions for 125, there's a really good chance they win this game. But the problem I keep going back to is I haven't I, – I, J.J. McCarthy's good. Don't get me wrong. I've said that before. We've had this discussion before. I've never said he's elite, though. This is a game where he cannot be, as Jake pointed out very clearly, he cannot be seven of eight for 65. He needs to be, I think, I. this is completely honest. He probably needs to be 20 of 27 for 230 and a touchdown. No turnovers. We, I mean, we have to be able to keep them honest. Play action-wise, throwing the ball downfield. We, I've said that 16 times, but again, I feel like it's important. We have to be able to stretch the defense. We have to keep them I honest. I was going to lean on the run game on the back end of it. We can try to come out and run the football, but we have to be able to stretch the defense and keep them honest in play action. I think I was just going to ask about 175 yards out of him. I don't know if he had to cross 200. Yeah, but what's 175 look like? That's, what kind that's of 175 point. am I getting? I'm getting a I'm getting a 17 of 25. No picks. Cannot throw a pick. Like you said, are these are these 175 can, because they get third? In, we're converting third and six. These are third. third these are third and fives. Okay. These are I third, tough third and fives. Yeah. It opens up the run. This isn't 175 where he hits one 50 yard bomb early. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then that kind of. Yeah. OK, I, I like that. If he's hitting third and six, third and seven, and we're getting first downs off that converting. That's a good spot for him. OK, I, I I'm torn because I'm a big 10 homer at heart. My team's in the Big Ten. I watch it all year. But it comes down to principles, ethics, morals. This is a cheating football team out here, folks. And we got the <laughs> SEC go going a different way. <laughs> Yeah, this yeah, is I a cheating just... football team out here. However, I think this is the year that it is aligning for Michigan to kind of put it together. You have a Michigan who's an experienced team here. Alabama who's an experienced team here. But if you look in the steps that Michigan's taken that they haven't in the past, they've taken them this year. They have an experienced quarterback that's playing in his second college football playoff. Two years ago, flashback when they get throttled by Georgia, you have Cade McNamara that's splitting time with J.J. McCarthy. Then last year, you have a J.J. McCarthy game where he's not bad. He wasn't terrible. They just couldn't get a stop on defense. And then this year, they have a very, very deep depth defense. Mm-hmm that they're rotating two or three guys consistently and they're all at an elite level. That's going to play dividends in this game because Alabama beats you in this way. Go ahead, JP. I I was just going to add, you're talking about the defense, how good they are. We didn't even touch on this in like this short breakdown. 
what all, are we getting a, the same good defensive line we've gotten out of Alabama the last two weeks? Or is this Michigan front going to wreck havoc? I mean, you have, let's see, six and a half, four and a half, four, four, three, two and a half, two and a half. Two. I mean, there's a load of guys on this defense who have been in the backfield causing havoc. So what offensive line are we getting out of Alabama? That's a very good point as well. Going back to Michigan quickly, they they have the depth now on defense to maybe get some stops because that's what's killed them in these semifinals the last two years. They need to do so after they score. Alabama's been successful this year because it hasn't been a, the most dominant Alabama team we've seen. We were kind of out on them about a month and a half ago to the day. We would have been like, no way Alabama gets that fourth spot. That's got to be Georgia. They've got to do things way than what they've been doing. Here they are playing against the number one team in the country, and it's not them. That's just kind of a new era we're in. I don't know if I trust Alabama and their consistency. How many times have we talked about Jalen uh, Milrose's consistency this year, throwing the football? He's gotten consistently better. He's put himself in the Heisman talks in his head. This is an elite Michigan defense with a lot of depth. I, I don't know if they can put it enough together against a good Alabama defense on offense, but if they can control the clock and limit big plays, going back to my point, I never finished, but that's when Alabama's found their success against Auburn and where they found themselves in a dogfight they shouldn't have been in. They answered after Alabama went up 17-10. Here's an 80-yard bomb to Jermaine Burton. If Michigan can limit those plays, play Big Ten football and control the clock, I think they win the football game. I think the line's in a good spot. Give me Michigan. I'm I, I'm not the SEC homer you should be talking to if that's what you want to hear. But I think this is the Michigan team that finally puts it together. Closing thoughts. I, I'd say I'm going to take Alabama here. I just – I don't love it. This is one I could flip a coin on and truly be happy with either side. But I, I just – when I haven't seen J.J. take a game over this year and now he has to do it now, I think that's a little worrisome for me. And I'm not saying Jalen Monroe is going to take over this game and be crazy, but he hasn't turned the ball over, and that's, that's all they need out of him. Jake. Yeah, I I hate – I go against Nick Saban a couple of weeks ago with Georgia. He proves me wrong. I take Nick Saban. He'll probably – He'll, Jim Harbaugh will probably prove me wrong. I can't ever get anything right with these close games. I hate this matchup to pick a side, um, but I'm going to take Alabama. Uh, I think the the, college, the semifinal game a couple of years ago when they saw Georgia, uh, I think that's telling. And and Michigan, their offensive line is really good, but I just don't think it's very far off from this year's Georgia offensive line and Alabama kind of owned them up front a couple of weeks ago in Atlanta. So that's really where I side with this. J JP said it well. I don't see J.J. McCarthy being the MVP of this and, and taking over this game So when they need him. Something worth mentioning, I just remembered off the top of my head. Uh, I do believe it's either a left guard or a center that Michigan is down. He went out yeah. in the game. Yeah, the center left? kid. Yeah, Zinter yeah kid. he's an All-American. So you got an inexperienced offensive lineman going against that Alabama front as well. It's another point for both of you taking Alabama. Mm -hmm. We'll see where Reese goes on this one. So we got two for Bama, one on Michigan. I think this is the year, guys, but let's let's go to the other one. Who, who do we think they will be playing in the college football national title? This is the Sugar Bowl this year. Down in Louisiana, we have Texas and Washington. Texas, a team that beat Alabama earlier this year, and Washington, who feels like they probably should have gotten beat two or three times and just cannot seem to find a way to lose. So who do you got in this one? Let's lead it off with Jake this time. 
Yeah, I think that this is a really interesting matchup as well because, I mean, how many times have we counted out Washington this year? Uh, it's uh, really some a, more than others. I'm yeah, not going to say I am part uh, of that group, but you guys were. JP's okay. been lucky enough to hold on to that that for all, hey. all season long. But uh, a strength versus weakness type of matchup here, as I see, like Texas's run defense versus Washington's run game. Washington's run game isn't very good. I don't think they're even going to attempt to try to keep them honest in this one, if I'm going to be completely honest with you. Uh, Texas is really good defense. If you had to take one spot away from them, it would be their secondary. So that's what we're looking at. We're looking at Michael Penix, and we're looking at this really good receiving core of Adunze, uh, McMillan, you know, you name it. How can they get atop of this Texas defense, and, and can they take advantage of it? Can they hold – off to Andre Sweat and the pressure of that defensive line for Texas. And can Michael Penix play a really sound football game? I think if you picked one college fo uh, college football quarterback right now to ask him to play an almost perfect game, yeah, it's probably Michael Penix. I think you give him a, a month's work of scouting and, and film, I think he can go out there and find holes in this Texas defense. I think that's something we really underestimate. You look at last year, like TCU playing Michigan, these teams have gotten a month to prepare and to get healthy. So rather than saying Texas is just more physically going to match up better and, and dominate them, I just don't think that's the case because they've had this month to prepare. They're, this is going to have to be their best defensive game plan too in Washington. Mm -hmm. um, they were good enough against Oregon twice and think they can do it they're going to have a tall task ahead of them because i think texas has got some of the best weapons in all of college football but it's just you just the best coaches in america don't just go an entire month and not be ready for this football game now now next week when they got to turn around and play the national championship game that you see last year with georgia and tcu a week is a lot harder to prepare after a tough physical semifinal game than it is than it was three weeks ago when you played your last conference title game. So it's leaning Texas, but I'm not counting out Washington for the hundredth mm -hmm. time this year. I don't see how you can. Speaking of a guy who probably will not count out Washington, JP, what do you got on this one? Yeah, I, I think you brought up some interesting points and then I had some, I had some gripes. I'd say you look at Dylan Johnson, though, what he's done against Oregon in that second game, he had over 100 against Utah. He had over 150 on Oregon. What if Texas comes out so worried about that pass game, right, that Dylan Johnson becomes the answer? Like, what if, what if it's not we – are, we are throwing the football to run in this situation. We are doing that. This is not run to set up the pass, the deep threat. That's there. The deep threat will not go anywhere. Again, you outlined one of the best receiving cores, if not the best in the country, with Adunze and all these guys at Washington. But what if it's pass to run? And Johnson can have some success and grab 80 90. What if he's 80 90 right now? I think this Washington team looks good. Um, mm -hmm. on the flip side of that, where's Texas not been as great? It's in the secondary. Like, we need to find ways to slow that down. You made really good points talking about the ability of Penix to pick up our defenses without making mistakes and forcing a lot of things. That is key number one when you're playing this Texas team because I think as soon as you start to turn it over, they get very, very good. They can score quick. They have one of my favorite receiving cores in the country, um, Texas, that being. And the defense is solid, and they can get to the quarterback. You look at the Burt kid on the edge. You look at Sweat in the middle. I think both of them have over five sacks on the year. Texas-wise, 
I look at yours in this situation and I don't want him to feel like he needs to carry the whole weight of the state of Texas. Cause I kind of think he inadvertently is failing that because mm-hmm. could you imagine being the, having the pressure of this kid from what well, I think he's from South Lake Carroll in, in the middle of Texas and you go to the university of Texas and you bring him to the first college football playoff. Now you are sitting in a spot where you are favored you're the higher, or you're not the higher seed, but you're favored in this game. You already beat it's one of the teams on the other end of the semifinals. They might as well. I think be that's a large seed. burden. Everybody yeah. treats them like they're they are the but they're seed but they point. aren't. This is not a gimme for them. This is not. There's no way in hell that Texas walks into this one thinking they're going to win. If they walk in a little too cocky, a little too high, I think they get beat by double digits, and you cannot convince me otherwise. Like they will have, you'll have two guys for Washington over 100 receiving yards if they walk into this the wrong way. Texas wise, man, hey, let's go to work on the ground. Let's live there. And then let's open up on the backside of it. Because when you have Worthy, Mitchell, Sanders, Whittington, and this whole crew, we don't have to pass the run. We can run the football and play a little smash mouth. We've done it well all year. We can do it with multiple weapons. And then we will have very we'll have every we'll have the speed guy. We got the big threat. And when you have your check down guy in Whittington, who's been good. I think this is going to be – I think this is going to be a high flying. I don't – because I don't see Washington getting slowed down, but I see Texas finding and Sark finding the right spots to hit on this Washington team, right? Whoever turns the ball over more, whatever quarterback throws one or two picks loses this one. Mm-hmm. Um, but I personally, I think Texas wins, but I'm taking Washington plus the points. This is a one, two, three-point game at most. I love it. Here's why. I think you got to look at – I feel like – maybe this is just a feeling – but in my head, all the cards are on Washington's table. Like, they need to find a ground game. They need to. This is where they've struggled this year, and we can be flat-out point-blank period with this. They need to get stops. They failed to get stops in these big games. I mean, outside of terrible offenses that they face, they give up points. And, and JP, you made a great point going against Jake and saying that they've found the ground game when they needed to against a good Oregon run defense. Both times they've played, they found a ground game somehow, found success early in the game, throughout the game, at the end of the game, on the ground. So I think that they're going to lean heavily on that, knowing that Texas is prepping for the pass. But then Texas on the other side, they do have the weapons. We said it in the preseason. They have the talent this year to do it. They're here. They finally made it. They're, they're my surprise team for a reason, that the fact that they actually finished the season and made it to where we thought they could be. But if you're going to find me, laying in my bed at night, going against the AP coach of the year and the team that I have personally picked to go eight and four, constantly doubted, and they just keep winning football games, then you are so fucking wrong. You don't even know it. I am done (laughs) picking against Washington. Give me them plus the four and a half. I think they win the game outright, and we have our chalk one-two matchup in the college football national title. I think they answer the bell. I think they hold all the cards, and they're going to deal them. I, I really like him in this game, and I don't know if Texas is going to make me eat my words for the 900th time as a Nebraska fan, but I just don't feel this is the year. Closing thoughts from the boys. This is – I'd have to look through all the games in the last 10 years, but this is easily top two or three college football game, college football playoff games that I am most excited for. Like yeah, this, this one right here, I mean, I have had circled since the moment it was announced. This one is top three for me. It hasn't even snapped yet, but this is up there. This you, I was gonna say that the matchup you get from the physicality of it'll be a low-scoring game between Alabama and Michigan versus what we could really see on the offensive side of the ball in this Texas-Washington game is going to be two contra- contrasts of styles. 
Uh, but both Absolutely. are going to be really awesome in their own way. And I think JP, you're right. This could be an awesome an all time semifinal game. Um, I didn't give my pick out. I don't love it. I think that there's a lot of pressure on Texas. I really do. Mm-hmm. But I think they're going to find a way to get it done just because I think they are bigger. Uh, they're faster. I think this is this is the team that can get it done to win a national championship if there were one right now. Uh, I don't think this team is – I think this team matches up really well with Michigan or Alabama, whoever they would see next week. I agree. I think if Washington wins – Washington, you want to see Michigan bad. Yeah. Well, I, I think, think so. in that, yes, and I was going to say, I think Washington can turn into a a TCU situation. I mm-hmm. think that it's going to – I think they can put all their chips – in and, and win this game, but I think it would be a tough turnaround to ask them to play another physical team a week later, no matter who they get. I think Michigan would be a better matchup, but no matter who they get. So that's Texas the first time one. that's the first time I've heard the comparison between this Washington team and TCU. But if you look back on their schedule, it is eerily similar how they were ended up winning those games by one score. They didn't have the trailing part that TCU did, but across the schedule, they did just edge those ones out that you didn't kind of expect them to. You're expecting them to slip up. So that's scary to think because that will get the 12-team playoff crowd rolling again. Oh, man. So that, <laughs> would, that would spark it up if that happened again. Stephen A. Uh, Smith will be like, this is all college football's fault. Why would you let an undefeated Washington in? This is ridiculous. <laughs> oh, the Big Ten man. is terrible. What are we that's, doing? <laughs> that's exactly what he would Keep do. him out of my college football. But all right, there it is. There's the college football playoff. So I have the chalk Michigan Washington matchup in the national title. JP, you have Alabama, Alabama Texas. Texas. Schaefer has Alabama Texas. We'll see who Reese is on. I believe he'll have something different. Maybe he'll have Bama Texas as well, and I'll be on my lonely island. But it's been a great episode. We covered a lot. We ran a little long. So if you made it all the way to the end, we very much appreciate you. Like and subscribe on YouTube. Follow us on Twitter. Follow us on TikTok. Like, repost those on TikTok. We work hard on those. We need more views on them, people. Start sharing them around. Mm -hmm. Same on Twitter. Instagram, hit us with a follow. Facebook, hit us with a follow. We're everywhere, man. We appreciate you being here. JP, closing thought? Hey, it's been a great episode. This one was a lot of fun. Can I I just tell Rice? Thanks. I hate rice. I hate rice. I love rice. I eat a lot of rice. White rice. I love rice. The football team. I hate you. I hate any underdog I pick. But keep picking underdogs, unless I pick them. It is the year of the dog, and I'm the king of it. Okay, Shaper, take us away. What? What's wrong with the world, mama? People living like they ain't got no mamas. I think the whole world's addicted to the drama. Only attracted to things that'll bring the trauma. Overseas, yeah, we trying to stop terrorism. But we still got terrorists here living in the USA. The big CIA, the bloods and the crips and the KKK. But if you only have love for your own race, then you only leave space to discriminate. And to discriminate only generates hate. And when you hate, then you're bound to get irate. Yeah, madness is what you demonstrate. And that's exactly how anger works and operates. Man, you gotta have love that's a set of straight take control of your mind and meditate let your soul gravitate to the love y'all y'all killing people dying children hurting you hear them crying can you practice what you preach and what you turn the other cheek father 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 help us and some guidance from above these people got me got me questioning